And the play clock is down to three. And here we go. And Wilson throws. Caught. And it is going to be Hollister. Then the ball winds up in the hands of a 49er, Jimmy Ward. The goal line, if he does, none of the rest of that even matters. Hollister gets taken down. Ooh. Oh, Looks short to me. say he was across the line. It's just the opposite of the Atlanta game that they... Holy cow. What a way for the 100th year to end. Man, what a win that was. Uh, first win in Seattle for the 49ers in a long time, since 2011. Uh, that is courtesy of NBC Sports and the NFL. Dre Greenlaw's number one seed clinching tackle for the 49ers. Uh, my name is Zach Hernandez, guys. You're listening to the Red and Gold Standard Podcast. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, Anthony Perry. Anthony, how you doing? What is going on, Zach? What is going on, Faithful? Long time no talk. But, uh, hey, they pulled it off. That was probably one of the biggest games of, uh, of Niners history, at, le- at least for the past, like, decade, dude. It's been, you know, there hasn't been too many memorable games in between uh, Vernon Davis's catch, you know, arguably the Super Bowl, uh, even the Saints game. The Ran- You know, like, half the games this season have been, like, memorable, like, holy, holy hell games. But uh, in any event, though, I'm really excited to talk about this recap, bro. We have a lot to discuss. And as always, guys, find me on Twitter, Perry underscore 49ers. That's P-E-R-R-Y underscore 49-E-R-S. Yeah, man, it, it was historical. And it was interesting that it came from from Greenlaw of all the people just because, you know, rookie stepping in, big big shoes to fill with Quan Alexander coming out. And he he made the play, and we talked about it the last uh, podcast. Greenlaw was the one who had the potentially game-winning interception uh, the last time these two teams met. So, you know, you kind of called him the Seahawk killer, and I think that's what the 49ers have in him. Um, We're going to, guys, in this episode, we're going to bring you back, kind of do a little season recap, think about where we were uh, in the beginning of the year, back in August, and where we are now, and how we got to that point. Uh, so my first question for you, Anthony, is, let's see, sorry, a quick look back. Where did you think uh, this team would be when we were sitting in August going into the preseason? If you would have thought then where we would be in January, where do you think we would be? So when the season first started, I thought the team was like 9-7, and 10-6, and six. And I, I did believe that the team was going to compete for a wild card spot. You know, to say that I thought they were going to go 13-3 and when the division be the number one seed, bro, that would have been, like, not reckless thinking. But I see a lot of Niners fans who have thought that way, and, like, that's so optimistic. And I absolutely love optimistic Niners fans, especially this entire season and the preseason. There was just so much hype going on. And for me... You know, I wanted to stay on that nine and seven, ten and six train, just to, just to you know, stay mellow, stay calm, not not stay humble, but uh, just not get my hopes too high because of how rough the past two seasons were with Garoppolo tearing his ACL, obviously Brian Hoyer and uh, God, who else started Blaine Gabbard? I think, <clears throat> or no, Brian Hoyer, C.J. Beathard. I'm sorry, that was a year before Chip Kelly, but uh, point being though. You know, looking back, I didn't think this team was going to get as deep as it is now. And I think everything just fell into the right place, man. I mean, the Saints got eliminated. You know, the Packers are really overrated. Seattle's arguably overrated. Uh, They can beat Minnesota. You know, even on the AFC side, there's a lot of good competition, but there's only one AFC team they're going to have to face if they make the Super Bowl. So, and if it's Baltimore, if it's Kansas, if it's Texas, you know, they've all played these teams recently. So you look at it and it's like the Niners have a chance to really make something special happen. And to say that, I would have thought that almost everything fell exactly into place at the beginning of the season. I would have thought I was crazy. And I mean, to go about that, too, with the Niners facing all the injuries, uh, inconsistency from Garoppolo the first eight weeks or so before he really turned it on. You know, the wide receiver unit was kind of meh. The running game was solid. I mean, the running game was solid, solid. But through eight weeks, I had thought, like, you know, are we really going to see Garoppolo, like, flourish? And the run game was feasting, dude. I mean, the first eight weeks, they were the number one in the league. 
And then it kind of fell off a table. Brita got hurt, obviously. Coleman was struggling. Mostert hadn't get, gotten the, like, you know, full workload yet. But uh, overall, I, I mean, everything is really falling into place. I can't stress that enough. Like, they fought through the injuries. Everyone's coming back healthy now. The playoffs, I'm not going to say the playoffs look easy because there are still quality teams. But to say that the Niners aren't the favorite to come out of the NFC as the Super Bowl contenders... That's insane, dude. They they have everything that it takes. They have the coaching staff. They have the roster. They have everything it takes. I, I can't stress that enough either, dude. They're so fun, and they're so exciting to watch. And at the beginning of the season, if I would have been saying that uh, the Niners would be really fun to watch, again, I thought I would have been crazy. But uh, shout out to all the optimistic Niners fans, man. They kept me in it. You know, obviously, the Niners themselves kept me in it, kept you in it. And 13-3, and three, dude. 13-4. and four fucking three i'm sorry but like who would have thought dude who would have freaking thought the niners were going to be on this type of you know almost a historic run if you will that's how that's how shocking and exciting this season has been yeah i think i'm with you on the fact that um if you would ask me in august you know july the off season heading into the preseason i thought they were a talented team um and i it was interesting that last season there was a lot more hype going into the year. Um, people were calling the 49ers dark horse for the Super Bowl and whatnot. And, and yet, you know, everything happened with Jimmy G getting injured. And yet he comes back healthy and nobody was really talking about them. Um, they were, they were, you know, nobody was talking about them as a sexy pick to be, you know, come out of the NFC. Um, I was looking up some, some articles from the preseason and even ESPN. They had the 49ers as only a 19% chance to win the division, 34% chance to make the playoffs. Um, Nick Wagner, the 49ers writer for ESPN, had them at a 7-9 record. And, you know, I I, I didn't think that um, that would be too off. Um, I thought they were about a year away, to be honest with you. And I thought it was going to take uh, at least a season for Kyle to have all of the pieces that he needs and then all of them to kind of mesh well together and not be just, you know, working as individual players within the team, but actually start to come together as a team. But we were proven wrong. They were definitely able to overcome all of the obstacles put into place, uh, whether it was injuries or, you know, playing in horrible conditions, playing really, really good teams, playing on the road, whatever it was. This team found a way to get it done. So I was, you know, happily surprised and happily, happily wrong. Um you know, they, they had some some big questions heading into the year. You know, Jimmy G's return. They had some new faces like Quan Alexander, D. Ford, Tevin Coleman. And then rookies like, uh, you know, Nick Bosa, Debo Samuel, Drake Greenlaw. And, and you know, even returning guys like Dante Pettis. What, what was the status going to be with them? Um, so there was just a lot up in the air with that. Why do you think so many analysts were wrong this year? heading into the into the season about the 49ers really not being uh, a team to take seriously out of the NFC you know watching and reading about the analysts who kind of clown the Niners and I mean Adam Rank wrote three and 13 like that's really one of the only analysts that like were legitimately like bro the Niners are gonna suck like three and 13 that is absolutely a joke but to the other analysts who were actually like a little more credible and a little more insightful, I can understand where they were camp- where they were coming from. <clears throat> I mean, we only had five games of Jimmy G two seasons ago, and then obviously he tore his ACL, so you didn't really know what Jimmy G you're going to get. On top of that, you know, you didn't really know what you're going to see out of Debo Samuel and Dante Pettis and Kendrick Bourne for the wide receiver unit. So, you know, in a sense, the entire offense I can see where they were coming from, like not believing in the Niners, because you look at the offense at the beginning of the season, and it's like, who do they really have? Like Debo's a rookie, Dante Pettis uh, was his, what, second, third year, second year, I think. And obviously Pettis hasn't had the type of year I expected, at least. But I mean, you look at them and you think like, before the Emmanuel Sanders edition, like, how the hell did they get the job done? You know what I mean? I mean, we were all talking about Richie James getting more playing time, Pettis getting less playing time, and so on and so forth, and yet it's like, what the hell were they going to do before Sanders? And then outside of Kittle, you know, Kittle's one of the best tight ends in football, 
it's like, who do they have? You know, Shanahan is so good at scheming guys open, and the fact that the offense was even okay last season without Garoppolo really says a lot about Shanahan. But I digress. Going into this season, you know, you look at the offense, you don't know Garoppolo, you don't really know the wide receivers. You knew Shanahan's run game was going to be good, but you weren't necessarily too sure about what you're going to see out of Tevin Coleman, Matt Breida, and obviously Mostert. You know, no one even considered Mostert an option other than a special teams player until he really started showing up. So you look at that at the beginning of the season, and no one talks about Mostert. And even Jeff Wilson Jr., when he had four touchdowns in, what, two games? So you look at the entire offense as a whole, Zach, and it's like... What can they really do? How well could Shanahan scheme these guys open? How well could Shanahan really coach a bunch of, you know, ragtag guys who none of us have really seen? And, you know, I'm not calling them ragtag now, but at the beginning of the season, you would be saying that at least analysts were like the analysts had like zero clue as to what direction the Niners were going to go in. And for that, I kind of understand why they didn't believe in the Niners, but to not believe in Shanahan and his genius, dude, that's straight disrespectful. And, you know, as for the defense, I think the same thing about the defense too. Like a lot of people, especially the analysts, man, they slept on the defense hard. Like everyone was like, oh, Nick Bosa is going to be injury prone. Oh, D Ford was a good addition along with Buckner, but how well is that defensive line really going to perform? And, you know, the guys didn't really talk about Armstead at all until Armstead started showing up. Uh... Buckner got some love, but he didn't get a lot of love, you know, and on top of the linebackers too, it's like, everyone was like, oh, Quan Alexander misses all these tackles and Quan Alexander is really inconsistent. And it's like, there's so much disrespect going on. And I think it was a lot of more recency bias as to how bad the Niners were last season and quote bad because they lost, they lost a lot of one score games, if you will. But it was a lot of recency bias and a lot of reflecting on last season coming into this season. And it's like, what the team went 4-12, and 5-11, some really bad record, you know? And you go into this season, and it's like, oh, well, I think they're going to be bad too. And that's how the analysts thought, and I really think that's how they saw it. So overall, the Niners were just, they were just slept on really bad, Zach. I think, you know... You know, again, like I said, I didn't expect the Niners to blow up the way they did, but I did expect a ten and six season or a nine and seven season. Season, you know, a lot of positivity. These guys out here didn't really expect much from them at all, as far as they knew. A lot of reports or reports, a lot of like predicting at the beginning of the season was like the Niners are eight and eight, or if everything falls into place, the Niners are maybe a wild card team, and it's like. These guys hardly look at the team. They just look at the team on paper and they just predict from there. It's like if if you're like you or me or Mike or, you know, our guys are even dedicated fans and reporters, they know what this team is all about. They knew that this team had something special and all it really took was for them to actually be healthy and actually have some chemistry to work together. So overall, though, I can understand why they thought the Niners weren't going to be good. But to say they were going to be three and thirteen or eight and eight, that that's just trash, dude. I really think that's just trash. And they went out there and they exceeded expectations. And all season, you just heard about how it was, you know, one game at a time, one game at a time. They didn't jump the gun on any games. They didn't get too excited. You know, obviously they won a lot of big games. But you hear Quan Alexander and Sherman talk and Kittle, and they're so humble, dude. They're so humble, and they're like, yeah, it was a great game. But, I mean, they keep their heads down, eyes forward. They do their job, and they just get the train rolling, and they keep it rolling. And I think you have that kind of mentality. That's really what... Just it's just what carries teams into the playoffs and beyond, dude. And, just, and that's just what the Niners do, and they've been doing that all season. I think as far as um, why they were so wrong, um, they were just, you know, you, you brought up Adam Rank, and it really made no sense to me how they could be worse um, this year than, you know, last year. Because they were, you know, like you said, they had um, C.J. Beathard in, they had Nick Mullins in, and then they get a healthy Jimmy G back, and then they get, you know, all these rookie pieces, these free agent additions, and you think they're going to be worse than the year before? So that made no sense. It, it, it honestly seemed like he was he was phoning that performance in. Uh, he didn't really do his homework. He probably just thought maybe maybe they forgot about Jimmy G. I don't know, but it it, it was it was bogus to me to be honest with you, and I I didn't 
by it at all. Um, I think a lot of people underestimate Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, I think they, I think they still do, to be honest with you. I don't think a lot of people realize how good he was this year for the 49ers. And, you know, I'm not saying that, saying that he was the best quarterback in the league, but he's gotten progressively better week by week. And, you know, you got to keep in mind, this is his first full season as a starting quarterback in the NFL. So Kyle Shanahan couldn't have asked for more from Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, he He's really, really come on, especially the, the second half of the season. He's a very, very clutch player, uh, as evidenced by, you know, those two third and 16s, the drive in New Orleans, uh, the drive in Seattle. You know, like there's just a lot that he's done to prove to this team that he is the franchise quarterback. He is the guy moving forward. And, you know, possibly even that he deserves the full contract that he got that a lot of people thought was overpriced and that, you know, he was going to be a giant bust. So I think he's definitely coming in. And also, you know, like you said, the defense. I don't think any analysis um, analyst, excuse me, predicted the 49ers defense would be as good as they were this year. Uh, granted, they kind of took a bit of a, a drop off in the second half of the season. But, you know, that's expected with injuries, one and two. The the strength of schedule kind of went up um, to even a historic, you know, strength for a bit there for a three-week period. So that it's expected, you know. You, you can't expect them to keep that same level of, you know, excellence at all times. There's going to be some kinks in the armor, but the way that they, you know, shown that they were able to overcome it, I think proves why they're a team that should be taken seriously and should be feared by the other other teams in the NFC. Um, now, Anthony, what was your specific highlight moment of the season? What was that one moment that you look back to? And, uh, when you're looking back in a couple of years, you think, oh man, that 2019 season, this really sticks out to me. You know, it sounds kind of crazy. And, uh, just to not be like a super homer with like all of the exciting plays that went on. I thought that the Rams game, when they, when they beat the Rams, in San Francisco, that was such a filthy game, dude. I mean, the back-to-back third and 16 completions, I I was so shocked. Like, it was that kind of thing, watching that, that made me believe that the Niners could make a lot of noise and they could really make some some crazy things happen. It, how often do you see a back-to-back third and 16 completion? And, I mean, the first one to keep them in the game and the second one to really win the game and set them up, I mean what the hell where where did that come from and you see that and it's like the first one was to Kendrick Bourne like born of all people dude you know he doesn't really have the stats to show it but he's been one of the most clutch receivers for the Niners this season whether it's touchdown catches whether it's converting for first downs you know things of that nature and then obviously the second completion to Emmanuel Sanders I mean I know Taylor Rapp blew the coverage and Jalen Ramsey was also in coverage but the point being is that Garoppolo made the throw with like pressure right in his face I mean, it was one of the hardest throws I think I've seen Garoppolo make all season, damn near in his career as a Niner. And to get that throw off and to just have it on a dime and put Sanders in the perfect position to set up a field goal, I mean, what more could you ask for, dude? What more could you ask for one of the best drives the Niners put on all season? And, I mean, we've seen some amazing game-winning drives from the Niners too, whether it was the Saints drive with Kittle's outstanding uh, catch and run, obviously the Sanders play, uh, this final score in Seattle, even the defensive stand in Seattle, you know, it's things of that nature where the Niners are going out there and they're, they're just showing everyone up. They're showing to everyone out there that they can be that clutch team that could come back in the final minutes or that could, you know, hopefully hold the lead in the final minutes. I know they've struggled with that all season, but they kind of got over that hump in Seattle, in Seattle. So that Rams game, it kind of sounds goofy, and I'm curious as to what you think. But to go in there, beat the Rams, who have, you know, they've perennially been annoying against the Niners for a long time, even since they've been good. Like, when the Niners were bad and the Rams were smoking us by, like, 40 in that crazy Thursday night game, I'm like, dude, we better beat these Rams at some point. And I respect the Rams. They're a good team. But... They just something about them just makes me like it just irks me, you know. So to go out there and beat the Rams and really show to everyone that these Niners are here to ball out, that really proved to me that this team is just they're ready to go out there and do anything. 
And, you know, obviously they've had all kinds of big games this season where they clutched it. But something about beating the Rams, and you can say the same thing about the Seahawks, you know, the division games are huge. But something about beating the, you know, the former NFC Super Bowl contender and just beating them and really knocking them out of the playoffs, that's like, that's like that that dagger moment. That's like that killer gene the team has. And if you have that as a team, you might as well be the Patriots, dude, because you see the Patriots go out there, and obviously they lost, but when the Patriots were on one, they were just blowing teams out left and right. Teams had no chance against the Patriots, and it sounds kind of crazy, but I think the Niners can get to that point, dude. I think Kyle Shanahan might be the next leader, the death star for the NFL, dude. It, it's wild. It's absolutely wild, but you look back at that play, you look back at that game, and it didn't start too well, but hey, they finished with a W. They came in clutch, and really, it was one of the most important wins of the season, and I know it sounds crazy, and it's just the Rams, but to go out there and play really hard-ass football, to hang on against the Rams who were playing with everything they got because you look at the Rams' stakes, it's like if they lose, they're out of the playoffs. If they win, they have a chance. And they were playing their asses off. And the Niners came in, held their ground, and won the game, dude. So for me, I think that's one of those things where I can look back and go, I think that was one of the biggest turning points of the 2019 season was the Rams game. Yeah, that's a good answer that. That game was amazing, and just seeing that last drive, Jimmy go in there, and you know, like he said, he he definitely couldn't see um, on that last throw. I think he even said in the post game, he 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 didn't see whether or not Emmanuel Sanders was able to catch the ball. He just had a feeling based off the, uh, the crowd reaction. So that that was that was cool. That was great to see. Um, I was so hyped watching that game. I thought, man, I I thought they blew it, but I I even tweeted it out. I said, um, you know, I forget how much time was left when they got the ball back, but I'm like, you know, they're getting the ball back, like a minute and a half left. I think they have like a timeout or two. Guys, I smell a win. And a lot of people were like, dude, nah, you're jinxing us, delete it. And I'm like, no, 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 I'm pretty confident in this team. I think they can do it. And sure enough, they did. Um, for me, as far as my highlight of the season, it, it's, it's really close. And when I was uh, writing down my notes for this, I put that it was a tie between the New Orleans game and the Seattle game, but just the fact that it's Seattle, I think kind of gives it the edge just by like 0.01 of a percentage point. So I'm going to go with Seattle just because of the, the history between the teams, how long it had been since the 49ers won there and what it meant really. I mean, all of the stakes that were on the line and then not only that, but the fashion in which they got the win, um, and, you know, the, it, all great teams, you can factor in a bit of luck. They all say that, you know, you can be as good as the greatest team out there. If you don't have a little bit of luck on your side, you're, you're, you're toast. There's there's nothing you can do. And the fact that the 49ers were lucky <laughs> that nobody on the Seahawks staff realized that the play clock ran all the way down and that dropped them back from the one yard line to the five or whatever it was, the goal line to the five yard line. And, you know, you see Marshawn Lynch trot on and then trot right back off. Um, I think if they, if they don't get that penalty, I think the 49ers played last week. Um, and I think that the Seahawks are probably able to run it in up top with Marshawn Lynch, just like they did earlier in the game. Um, goal line situation like that, it's just way too hard to defend, especially, you know, three to four times straight. So they had some luck on their side there, but that's not selling the new Orleans game short at all. That game was amazing. Possibly the best game of the year for the entire NFL. So those are two highlights. Definitely that I will remember, you know, forever looking back on the season. Um, now Anthony in, in, in contrast, what was the moment of the season that kind of made you feel like damn, you know, this team, this team's got to get their shit together, you know, excuse my language, but to, you know, just to kind of frame it that way, what what was that moment for you? God, what was that moment? You know, I don't want to say the Seattle game, the first one, because they were injured and with Sanders and Kittle, I think they win that game. Um... I don't want to say the Falcons game because that game was kind of a toss-up. Although if they did beat the Falcons when Seattle lost to Arizona, they uh they would have clinched. But uh God, what can I think? 
you know what? I'm going to say the Steelers game week three. I know it's early in the season, but all those turnovers, dude, watching how that game played out. I know they won, but watching how that game played out, it was like, oh, is this going to be like a summary of the offense? Because, you know, the offense kicked ass against Tampa. The offense kicked ass against Cincinnati. And coming into that game, I thought like, okay, it's Pittsburgh. I, you know, obviously in hindsight, I didn't realize how good their defense was because their defense this season was filthy. But I mean, even even then, you know, and obviously to Mason Rudolph being bad. But even then, I thought like, okay, this is Steelers. Big Ben is out. Obviously, no Antonio Brown. Uh, Schuster hadn't really got going. You know, the team was still kind of young. So I thought the Niners had a good shot at winning it easily. Nah, dude, like what, five turnovers later? It was like three fumbles and two picks, something crazy. I, I couldn't believe it. After watching that game, I was like, you know, if the Niners are going to play like this at least half the season, there's going to be some trades they need to make or some offensive changes they're going to have to do because <laughs> you can't play football like that the whole season and expect to go 13-3, and let alone 10-6. and So at that point, I know it was early on, but as someone who after watching the first two games was really optimistic, especially winning on the East Coast, I thought, okay, back in San Francisco, home turf, home op- home opener, you know, they should show up. And, you know, the Niners didn't really show up until the fourth quarter, damn near. But uh, I digress, though. It was tough to watch. It was one of those things where in the, in the heat of the moment, I was like, oh, it's going to be a kind of long season. But, you know, 13-3, to dude, this season flew by. But watching that game... You know, you know, watching that game, Zach, I was just thinking, God, it's going to be it's going to be a struggle at times. And I mean, you know, you can look at it now and it's like Jimmy Garoppolo hasn't really had that. He hasn't really had that dumb throw, honestly, since like the last Seattle game, the last Seahawks game or excuse me, the first one. And from there, he was just clean and pretty much filthy. I think he only threw one or two picks within that stretch. So you watch that. And it's like, okay, Jimmy Garoppolo is good. But you saw him in week three, and it's like, okay, Garoppolo obviously has a lot to work on. And, you know, that was only his third game back from an ACL injury, so I understand. But I had also thought that it would have been a little better. So, yeah, I'd say the Steelers game, I know it was early on. I know guys were still getting their feet wet, but shoot, dude, I didn't expect a, I didn't expect one hell of a heart attack like that game, that's for sure. That's a good answer, and... You know, maybe it was just the 49ers trying to give us a sneak peek of what the entire season was going to be like because, man, it it really came down to the wire. And I, I'd say more games than not came, you know, down to the final minute, the last play uh, this season for the 49ers. So maybe they were just trying to get us ready for that. Uh, for me, I think I'd have to say Baltimore. Um and it was it was a tough game and you know i know a lot of people are going to say like wow you know like they're probably one of the best teams in the nfl uh how what what could have made you think that you know they need to get their crap together because they couldn't beat this team i don't think it was necessarily that the fact that um you know they went out there and played lousy but i think that they could have proved to the entire nfl that um they were really a team to take seriously and that they you know, could hold their own and that they belong and they let it slip. Um, you know, call it what you want. Could be a bad play call on fourth down, um, you know, soft coverage on the defense to the final drive to let uh, Baltimore win it, uh, whatever it may be. I think the 49ers definitely had a chance to win that game and they let that slip out of their hands. And, you know, not only that, but Lamar was running all over them the whole game, not only Lamar, but the running backs too, no matter what they did, it seemed like the the Ravens were just too much for them to handle, especially in the first half. So that was kind of the moment for me where I, I you know, I was really nervous that teams would be able to take that game and get some sort of a blueprint off of. And I know it's going to sound silly because you're probably thinking, well, not every team has a Lamar Jackson to where they can do what Lamar Jackson does. But to some certain extent, you know, you can take it and apply it to your team, apply it to your players, and it it might work. So that's what I was worried about. And then, you know, you, you brought up the Atlanta game. I was going to – that was my second choice uh, if you said Baltimore just because they should have won that game. 
And if they won that game, um, Seattle week 17 is meaningless for the 49ers. If, if things played out how they played out. Um, so I thought that they should have won that game. They were favored. There was really no reason other than injuries. So that, that was frustrating to see. But no disrespect to Atlanta because they really, really came on towards the back end of the season. Um, that was really impressive to see. Um, what stood out to you the most in a good way, do you think, Anthony? So if I had to really cherry pick one thing, that, well, you know, okay, I'll make it a little broader. I think watching the defense flourish and when they added Nick Bosa, when they added you know Dre Greenlaw, and obviously the return of Fred Warner on top of D Ford, Buckner and Armstead's return, you know, hoping Solomon Thomas would develop a little. And Thomas hasn't been what everyone expected at the third overall pick, but he's coming along nicely. You know, obviously the expectations should be lowered at this point, but Thomas is still going out there and he's playing some pretty decent football. But uh, in any event, the defense, though, Fred Warner, Quan Alexander before the injury, uh, Dre Greenwall, even Aziz Alshair has been all right. But, I mean, Tart, Sherman, Spoon before he started struggling, Emmanuel Mosley, K1, you know, I can go on. I think watching the defense just melt teams' offense away as if they're nothing is, like, I, I would have never expected that. I knew the defense, like, here, here's the thing. I knew the defense was going to be top 10. I definitely knew that after watching last season, I thought like, you know, this defense is so good. They're, you know, those guys are playing out there winded and gassed and tired. And once they have an offense and once they have time to actually rest and relax, they'll be okay. But, um, you know, I didn't think the defense would be top three, dude. I did not think the defense would be this elite. And a lot of the credit is to Joe Woods, Robert Sala, Chris Kosierik, and the entire defensive staff, man. They've done one hell of a job coaching this team up just and, and really just making this defense uh you know Super Bowl caliber defense and I mean you know I know the injuries have sucked the injuries have been really bad but you looked at how the first 10 weeks went and you thought like the Niners defense is pretty much carrying the team and I mean Garoppolo was still having a solid season the running game was you know elite too but it was one of those things where if the offense was average at best, the defense still would have been able to carry. That's how good the defense has been. But, I mean, yeah, the defense has been the biggest story, even more so than Garoppolo and the offense and trading for Sanders and whatnot. To think that the defense would be one of the most efficient sack sack teams in all of football, on top of one of the most efficient third-down defenses, fourth-down defenses, you know, passing defenses, I can go on and on with this. It's been really fun and really impressive to watch. And you got to credit the coaching staff. You got to credit John Lynch for going out and drafting Bosa, obviously, and uh, trading for D Ford, acquiring Quan Alexander, making sure Kwan Williams stays. Obviously, the Sherman contract looks really good now, considering Sherman is a top three corner in all of football. Keeping Tart, keeping Ward on track, you know. All these guys have just been contributing in every way, shape, and form. And for that, I shout out the defense, man. I didn't think they'd be this good. And in a season that had a lot of high expectations, I think the defense in particular broke almost everyone's expectations because I don't think a lot of us thought the defense would be top three. That's for damn sure. That That's a good answer. Um especially coming off of where they were last year and sacks and getting home uh, on their pressures. It, it's really a, a really nice contrast this year in the fact that they were really, really good at getting sacks, um, especially more so when D Ford and Nick Bosa were on the field together. But, you know, that's still a really good answer. Uh, for me, I think it would have to be the thing that stood out to me the most in a positive way. Um, how much the rookies were able to contribute in a positive way. Um, you look at Nick Bosa, who is in talks for Defensive Player of the Year, let alone you know Defensive Rookie of the Year. Uh, and then Debo Samuel. Debo Samuel really, really came on, especially towards the end of the year. Um, and he he's really, really the, the perfect you know Swiss Army knife for Kyle Shanahan and this offense. Uh, he can run the ball. He can catch the ball. He's really, really good uh, with you know the ball in his hands in open space. I think he's the weapon that this offense desperately needed, um, especially a younger guy. 
I think they were hoping Dante Pettis would be able to do something of this sort. However, he seems to have regressed a bit. So that that the fact that Debo and Nick Bosa were able to come on and produce right away and, you know, throw, throw in Dre Greenlaw, a guy who was drafted, probably thought of as uh, someone more of a reserve player, special teams player. And then Quan Alexander tears his pec on Halloween and Dre Greenlaw's thrusted right into the starting lineup. And, he, you know, he had his growing pains as any rookie should, but for the most part, he's been very, very solid. So the fact that the rookies were able to step up and play and play so well, um, I think that, that that was huge for this 49ers team and their success this season. Um, now, on the other side, what stuck out to you the most in a bad way? <laughs> God, it's really hard to figure out what stood out the most in a bad way, but I think if I had to figure one thing, and I was listening to this in a couple podcasts too and on the radio on 95.7 The Game, it's that Kyle Shanahan can get pretty tentative with his play calling, and I mean, I mean, once he feels like a game is unlocked, I mean, Shanahan's one of the most cocky coaches in the NFL, and I mean, he won't show it. He will not show his cockiness at all. But he has this hidden, like, this type of demeanor, this type of swagger and mentality where it's like, look, I'm beating the fu- I'm beating the fuck out of you guys. I know it. And sometimes he just eases off of it, and it's noticeable. I mean, you know, I'm not going to pinpoint the Falcons and Patriots game a couple seasons ago, the Super Bowl as one of them, but his play calling did get really conservative. And I mean... Even in, God, what game was it? You know, I think one of the Arizona games, it felt like the play calling was a little conservative. Uh, the Seattle Seahawks game, the first one, I know they didn't have the weapons, but it just, I felt like I could have saw more, and it was really a struggle to watch. You know, and like a lot of questions about his fourth down play calling too, whether it's running the ball or passing the ball, you know. When you don't convert on fourth down, you can be critical of whatever the play was, and you know, rightfully so. You think about that play in particular. I think I think it was the same Seahawks game where Garoppolo dropped back to pass, or no, I think they they were in shotgun formation and they tried to sell the run fake and it didn't work at all and the pass just got off and it failed. You know, it's like that kind of thing where where like where's the creativity? You know, and I think on top of Shanahan's, I guess conservative if you will sometimes uh the red zone has still been an issue for the Niners the red zone offense they have improved last season obviously it was one of the worst in football this season they're about average they're about 17th 18th they're converting at a touchdown clip at about 50 percent so half the time which is okay but the big thing is that when you get to the red zone, especially at this time in the season when you're in the playoffs and every score matters, you need to be scoring in the red zone 99% of the time. And that 0.1% of the time is when you're already in the lead by like 20 or 30. You know, where kicking field goals is okay. But I mean, you know, the red zone play calling too hasn't necessarily improved again it's gotten better but I still felt like we could have seen a lot more out of the red zone offense and we got to hope that changes because again when they get in the red zone you can't settle for field goals in the playoffs dude I know Minnesota is kind of a pushover if they play Green Bay and Seattle they're kind of a pushover too but it doesn't matter dude you get in the red zone you got to score and the Niners have been average, but I want to see them be one of the best red zone offenses in the playoffs, dude. Because again, every touchdown matters. You never know how a game is going to play out. And again, the difference could fall between one field goal and one touchdown. So go out there, be aggressive, be really dominant in the red zone, and just go out there and win, dude. That's what I thought the Niners could have done a lot better this season. Yeah, definitely settling for field goals. Uh, that's not going to settle in the postseason, like you said. They definitely need to get that uh, in order and make sure that they get seven every time they get down inside the red zone. Uh, as far as for me, kind of the most disappointing or the, the low light, I guess you could say, of the season would be uh, players not playing or playing up to par. Uh, specifically, Dante Pettis, Jason Verrett. Uh, I thought for sure Dante was going to have a big season. Uh, you know, his rookie year, he came on, had 500 yards and six TDs, roughly 500 yards, six touchdowns. And that was only in six games. Uh, and then, you know, this season, 
he he had the opportunities, especially early on, and he didn't really make the most out of them. I know uh, Coach Shanahan said, you know, the less that he's able to to capitalize on the opportunities, the less opportunities he's going to get. So it seems like he's kind of been in the doghouse for the remainder of the season. And that's disappointing. It's disappointing when somebody who showed so much promise uh, early on and they're not able to build on that. They're not able to, to you know, come through for the team and for themselves. So, it, it, you know, hopefully he's able to get whatever he's going through in check and he's able to come on strong next year or possibly even in the postseason if he has the opportunity because we're still rooting for Dante Pettis over here. And then Jason Verrett, um, you know, when he was signed, right away I knew that was going to be a wild card signing. Um, I thought this is either going to be really, really good for the 49ers or it's going to fizzle out into a little plume of smoke. And that's essentially what it's done. I mean, what did he play? Like five snaps this year in the Pittsburgh game, I want to say. And he got burned, um, gave up a touchdown, and then we didn't see him again. And then out of nowhere, he was put on IR. So that that was pretty disappointing because he has some potential. He has the potential to be a really, really uh, good lockdown corner in, in this league. But he seems like he wasn't really there mentally or maybe he just didn't, you know, he wasn't there physically either coming back from injury. Whatever the case may be, that was disappointing. And then I think, to be honest with you, most of all was Trent Taylor. Trent Taylor, you know, all offseason we just kept hearing nothing but raving reviews about Trent Taylor how he was by far the best 49ers receiver in camp. He had separated himself from the pack, and then he just got injured. And, uh, you know, and then he, he, he was coming back from the injury, and then he got injured again. And he had to have a screw placed in his foot, and then that was, you know, getting uh, irritated or it got infected. I don't remember exactly what it was. But that was that was super frustrating and disappointing. I did not think that we would not see Trent Taylor once uh, the entire year. So that that was unfortunate. And you could throw in rookie Jalen Hurd in there. Uh, imagine this team with a producing Dante Pettis and a healthy Trent Taylor and a healthy Jalen Hurd. Uh, I think they'd have one of the best receiving cores in the entire NFL. Uh, I think Jalen Hurd, even as a rookie, showed uh, a lot of promise in that uh, first preseason game against Dallas. Um, so, you know, he's a tall target, big red zone target. I think the 49ers will be very lucky to have him back next year. And hopefully he's still uh, the same player that he was this year. You know, hopefully even better with a year of experience. You know, I know not playing, but mentally under his belt. So that that will be uh, interesting to see where this team is next year. If they get Trent Taylor back, uh, what's going on with Dante Pettis and um, Jalen Hurd. Anthony, what do you think was the biggest hurdle that this team had to overcome this year? You know what I'm going to say, dude. Injuries, 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 injuries. Uh, <laughs> I'll keep this one short, but I mean, D Ford gets hurt. D Ford has been playing a lot of limited snaps this season. I think the most snaps he had in the game was like 34, and that's insane. Uh, Nick Bosa was hurt for the first couple of weeks. That was a little tough to watch, but he still went out there and balled. Obviously, the two tackles, Staley and McGlinchey, getting hurt for a period of time. Uh, Demontre Moore, IR, Ronald Blair tears his ACL, IR, Quan Alexander, Torn Peck, IR, uh, Spoon gets hurt for some time, Kwaski Tart breaks his ribs, you know, it's kind of like weirdly ironic that these dudes who have been relatively healthy their whole careers, you know, like Tart, or no, I think Tart's been hurt, but I mean like Staley, McGlinchey, two guys you'd think would be really healthy, get hurt, um, Oh, I'm sorry. You know, those guys getting hurt, but I think it's really ironic that Jimmy Ward plays a whole season. You know, I wouldn't have thought that Jimmy Ward was going to finish the whole season healthy, but uh, hey, he's a baller. But, you know, that's been the biggest hurdle, Zach, overcoming injuries. It's been amazing to see Shanahan, Sala, and these guys coach around the injuries, and that's what makes or break playoffs teams, if you will. It's what really makes or breaks good coaching staffs is – being able to adjust and adapt to injuries ahead of them. And if you would have thought that at the point the Niners were 10 to know that everything is going to be okay after Staley getting hurt, McGlinchey getting hurt, all the injuries and still be 10 to know, unreal. Absolutely unreal. So the injuries have been the big hurdle. 
I think an honorable mention for a big hurdle was probably, I guess, Garoppolo's early quarterback play because, you know, I was a little critical too. I had wanted to see a lot more from Garoppolo other than like game manager Garoppolo, if you will. But to see the Jimmy G that we have been the past or the last eight weeks, unreal. The guy's an absolute stud. He should be a pro bowler at some point. But um, yeah, the injuries, Zach, I think the injuries were really bad at one point. And it's just insane that we're getting everyone back now, right when we need them the most. Yeah, I don't think there's another right answer other than injuries. This team had a lot of injuries and we were kind of hoping going into this year that the injury bug had left uh, the 49ers facility. But unfortunately that does not appear to be the case. Um, but you know, just like you said this year, all 53 players on the active roster practice for the first time since week one. So that, that that's amazing. It's the best time of the year. Teams are coming in kind of limping in ass backwards into the postseason. Uh, just barely getting there to the next game. And the 49ers had a nice bye week to get everybody healthy, get everybody rested, get their minds right, get their bodies right. So I don't think that can be overstated. I think that's a huge, huge benefit that this team earned um, with that win in Seattle. But I'm going to agree with you there. Injuries had to have been by far the biggest hurdle that this team uh, overcame this year. Now, Anthony, let's take a look back on the rookies. Which rookie would you say had the best season for the 49ers? And I know it's it's hard to kind of compare offense, defense, but if you had to choose one player, who would it be? <laughs> I'm going to go out there and give Mitch Wisnowski some love. Bro, to come in here and be a you know, fourth-round rookie punter with a lot of high expectation, and I know he wasn't punting with very good or I guess very bad field position because the Niners offense was always getting past the 50. And when Robbie Gold was hurt or they didn't believe in Robbie Gold or Chase McLaughlin, he was punting from like the 45 to 40. And to go out there and be, a, you know, above league average punter, really good, really impressive. So shout out to Mitch Wisnowski. But um, God, dude, it's hard to, you know, I think... You know, because I, I feel like you're going to go with Bosa, and I totally understand. I got to go with Greenlaw, dude. I want to talk about Greenlaw. To come in, fill really big shoes for Quan Alexander, who is arguably having an all-pro season, definitely a Pro Bowl season. It's a lot, and he struggled the first couple of games. He did what I pointed out in the preseason was bite on play action a lot. That was the biggest problem with him and his play as a rookie, and I understand. But ever since... uh. The first game he came in, he stepped up. He's definitely lived up to the expect. He's lived up to way higher expectations than a fifth round pick. If you had to redraft Dre Greenlaw, dude, he would probably be a third round pick easily, easily. But uh, Dre Greenlaw's talent is acceptable or exceptional. I'm sorry. The coaching staff has a lot to do with it. D'Amico Ryan, linebackers coach, has been you know he's had a huge say in how Greenlaw and Alexander and Warner develop. But Greenlaw has looked like one of the best running mates Warner has had by his side all season. <laughs> right next to Quan Alexander, dude. I mean, you know, the biggest loss with Quan Alexander is the run defense. Because when Quan plays, the run defense is noticeably and significantly better. When he doesn't play, it struggles. It struggles and they have to bring down Marcel Harris or Jaquaski Tart in the box more to help fill it. Help, you know, fill those gaps to prevent running lanes. And Greenlaw has done okay at that. But Greenlaw hasn't really developed that, I guess, that instinct to fill running lanes right away. Obviously, he's a rookie, so he has a lot to learn. But overall, he's been one of the best coverage linebackers in all of football. He can run with tight ends. He can damn near carry running backs and wide receivers. Greenlaw is fast. He can fly, and he plays hard. And I love that mentality. I love that he fits in as a replacement for Quan perfectly. And when Quan got hurt, I thought... Okay, I believe in Dre Greenlaw, but I had, you know, I obviously had my doubts, and Dre Greenlaw far exceeded everyone's expectations, man. Everyone thought he's going to be a backup, you know, like you said, he thought he's going to be a, you know, one of those reserve players, special teams players. He came in and he's playing lights out as a starter. So, shout out to Dre Greenlaw, dude, the Seattle Seahawks killer, you know, one of the rookie studs in this class, and 
it's just another fifth round gem from John Lynch. I got to credit John Lynch, man. It was one hell of a good draft pick. Yeah, that's a good answer. Um, and surprised to show some love to Mitch Wisnowski, but you know that's a good choice as well. Um, he did play well, and I know he got a lot of flack for you know the 49ers fans for being a draft pick that high of a pick, but that's out of his control, you know. And I think that field position is a huge, huge underrated aspect of the game. And the 49ers were just trying to, you know, outthink everybody else by by drafting somebody in his position that has a chance to uh, flip field position around so drastically. So that that's a good answer as well. But Greenlaw definitely played well. Um, I, I actually was going to go with Debo, but since you didn't go with Bosa, I got to go with Bosa. Um, the guy just played unbelievably well. There was no rookie curve for him, and it seemed like he, he knew exactly what he was doing every single game um and you know obviously he played a lot better with d ford on the other side kind of freeing things up for him but without d ford he kind of seemed like he was getting a lot of double teams or a lot of chip blocks whatever it may be and he i don't think he has the repertoire or the kind of arsenal of moves to beat that yet this early in his career um i do think that he will develop that later on but i just don't think he's there yet but I mean, he he played all 16 games, which let's just you know give him a round of applause for that right now. All the fans that wanted you know other players over him, Quentin Williams or Josh Allen, they um, you know were kept saying he's injury prone. The 49ers are going to get a guy who's only going to play a couple games of the season. No, he played all 16 games, played the entire season. Um, 47 total tackles, nine sacks, one forced fumble, two fumble recoveries. And an amazing interception that was almost ran back for a touchdown against the Panthers. So let's give it up to Nick Bosa, potentially, you know, defensive rookie of the year, up for definitely candidate for defensive player of the year. So I think that he definitely was a rookie that stood out to me the most for the 49ers. But, you know, you went with two. I'm going to throw in D- Debo as well. Uh, you know, he played 15 games, only missed one, 57 receptions, 802 yards, three touchdowns, averaging 14 yards a catch. And then on top of that, he had another 159 yards on the ground and three touchdowns on the ground. So, you know, the 49ers had some really, really key rookies contribute this season. Um, Anthony, this was Jimmy Garoppolo's first full season as a starting quarterback, like we talked about. Um, what were your thoughts on his season? Was it good? Does it in... Uh, is it good enough to put him in contention with, I'd say, top 10 quarterbacks in the NFL? Yeah, definitely. I definitely think Garoppolo's the top 10 quarterback. He's definitely in that, that 7 to 10 range. You know, obviously he's above Goff. He's above Kyler. He's not above Wilson. Rogers, Breeze, still, I think Breeze is still really good. Shoot, dude, I think he's above Brady because Brady really regressed. But, uh, hey. I mean, to go out there in your first in your first official full season, have a thirteen to three record, twenty seven touchdowns, thirteen picks, and half of those picks weren't even his fault because a lot of them were drops and balls that should have been caught, or at least contested better. You know, sixty nine percent completion percentage, passed for over three hundred completions. <laughs> Again, twenty seven touchdowns, dude. I mean, unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. And you look at Matt Ryan, whose first season with Kyle Shanahan was good. It wasn't great. He was still learning the system, and obviously Ryan has Julio. But uh, the next year, Matt Ryan won MVP. He had one of the best statistical seasons a quarterback could ever have. Obviously, he was just he was just a solid quarterback through and through that season, 2017. But I can see Garoppolo having that type of transition from top 10 to top five in one season he was really good he didn't even have all of all of his weapons obviously Debo's developing Dante Pettis didn't work out yet Bourne was you know Bourne was more or less a third down wide receiver uh no Emmanuel Sanders for the whole season George Kittle missed a couple games and obviously you know he didn't have a full arsenal of weapons but when he does like now Garoppolo's a top five quarterback, dude. He can hit wide open guys. He can hit contested throws. He's fearless. He's, you know, 
I guess confidently reckless, if you will. I don't mean reckless in a bad way, but I mean like he'll go out there and he's a gunslinger. I know we saw game manager Jimmy the first eight weeks, but overall, if Garoppolo is put in a situation like he did against the second time against Arizona, uh, the Rams game, the Saints game, uh, I know it was raining, but even the Ravens game, the Packers game, and Jimmy Garoppolo is a gunslinger. He can sling the ball when he needs to. When his name is called upon, he is trusted. He can make the big-time throws. And that's all you can really ask for for Garoppolo. So, again, dude, 27 touchdowns, 13 picks. Hell of a solid first full season healthy. He's going to be really filthy next season, Zach. Even if Sanders walks, even if they cut Pettis, even if Jalen Hurd doesn't work out, whatever happens with Garoppolo, as long as he stays healthy, I think he should seriously be considered as an MVP candidate next season because if he hits that transition in stride, oh, ooh, the league is the league should be scared. I mean, the league should be scared of the Niners already, just like the Ravens, but they should be scared that Jimmy Garoppolo has a chance to develop into one of the best quarterbacks next season, no doubt about it. Yeah, and, you know, he finished the year 22 yards short of 4,000 passing yards. Um, I don't think that should go, you know, unspoken. He was very, very good this year. He got progressively better, like I said earlier, as the season went on. And that's all you can really ask for a guy going into his first full season as a starter, coming off of a torn ACL. Um, there was just so many factors that went into play, and no matter what it was, he was able to overcome all of that and play well. He does have some some boneheaded throws, although it seems like he's been able to kind of weed those out in the last couple of weeks. Um, but he he's a gunslinger, like you said. You're gonna get some good. You're gonna get some bad. Um, he, he does his best to extend plays. He does his best to not go down. He does his best to take care of the ball. And, um, you know, sometimes that, that doesn't work out. But yeah, I'm sure the people that are, you know, yelling at him for throwing dumb throws are the same people that are, you know, praising him for keeping the play alive and taking a gutsy risk and making, you know, that ends up being a touchdown. So you can't have one without the other. You got to understand that he's a gutsy player. He's a gunslinger. And sometimes it's not going to work out. But... I thought he had a really, really good first season uh, with the 49ers. First full season, I should say. And I think that next season is kind of going to be... He's going to put the league on notice, like you said. Um, he, he He's really, really hitting his own. He's going into the postseason hot. He has a, a nice rhythm going. Um, he had a, a week of rest. I think that the, the Vikings defense should be, should be scared, to be honest with you. I think he's going to have a good game. And I, I hope that... Uh, you know, Sanders comes back. I hope that the, the Jalen Hurd works out. I hope Trent Taylor gets healthy. But like you said, I think he can be a player, a type of quarterback that makes his surrounding cast better. And I think that's a trait that only the best quarterbacks in the NFL have. Um, some people who are able to make whoever they're playing with better. So that that would be great for the 49ers. That way they're not so, you know, contingent on other people being, you know, above average or great. They can. They know that if as long as they have Jimmy under center, that you know they they can get the job done. Um, what about Kyle Shanahan? Do you think he should be coach of the year? Yeah, yeah. Line him up for coach of the year. I mean, you hear people who say like what Sean Payton did with Bridgewater was impressive, but I mean Sean Payton is a multiple time ten win winning season coach. <laughs> if you if I word that right. And he's a Super Bowl winning coach. So I discount Sean Payton. He has experience. He should be able to coach around Teddy Bridgewater. Um, John Harbaugh has been really good. I know Harbaugh is very deserving, especially with how he's transformed Lamar Jackson. But I think you would have to give that more to Greg Roman. And I get John Harbaugh is kind of the key cog with going for it on fourth down and whatnot. But I mean, Greg Roman is obviously charging that offense to a whole new level, especially on the ground. So I would say that's more Greg Roman than John Harbaugh. Sean McDermott has been good, but I don't think he's necessarily deserving. You know, the team was solid, but they still struggled against playoff teams. I mean, they should have beat the Texans. They lost to the Texans. Uh, they couldn't get over the Patriots hump at the at the beginning of the season and obviously this season. So McDermott's a good coach, but nah, I can't give it to him. Bill O'Brien, no. Um, Matt LaFleur, I mean, 
No. <laughs> you know, you have Aaron Rodgers, you have Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones. You have a really good team. You better be able to go 13-3 and three also. So, you know, it really lines up for Shanahan, man. I mean, he's overcome all the injuries. He's overcome all the adversity. He's dealing with a quarterback who's finally throwing his first full season. You know, a constant rotation of running backs. Not really a true wide receiver one, if you will. You know, so you had to give it to Shanahan, dude. Shanahan's been able to coach around the injuries. He's been able to coach around the uncertainty at certain positions. And he knows what to do with the offense. I know he trusts those guys. But, you know, it all comes back to what we were talking about with the analysts at the beginning of the season. No one really knew where this team was going to go or how this team was going to look. You know, we knew the ground game was going to be good with Tevin Coleman and Matt Breida and Raheem Mostert. But I didn't think it would be this good. I didn't think it'd be a top two running game. Top two. I would have thought top five, but top two, damn. So, you know, it's one of those things where everything points to Shanahan, 13-3, number one seed, exceeding expectations far beyond what people thought. And you can't say much more than that, man. Shanahan is the magic man. He's a Shan man. <laughs> and it, he just deserves it. He just deserves it through and through, bro. Yeah, I, I can't help but agree with you. Um, I think that what he's done for this team and, you know, kind of offensively, I think he deserves coach of the year award, especially, you know, this team had the second pick in the draft last year and they finished with the number one seed in the NFC this year. So, you know, just the, the contrast between those two seasons, I think he deserves it. And, you know, that's not taken away from any of the other great coaches Although I think you gave a really good rundown as to why um, <clears throat> the other coaches aren't necessarily as de as deserving as Kyle Shanahan is, but I I, I do think that Kyle Shanahan um, I think he's he's got to be you know the best candidate for Coach of the Year, um, and I don't think his resume is done yet this year. I think he's still got some more to add to it. So we'll see when it's all said and done, but um, I, I, I definitely like his chances, and I like what he's done with the 49ers, obviously, as a huge 49ers fan, but as, turn, as, excuse me, as far as bringing them back to relevance in the NFL, I think the NFL is a better league when the 49ers are good, when the NFC West is competitive, when the Seahawks and the 49ers have a really, really good rivalry going again. I think it's just a more fun league to watch, and I, I'm here for it. Um, Anthony, is there any other aspect, uh, game, play, anything else you wanted to talk about um, as we're wrapping up, looking back on the season here? I mean, this is totally irrelevant, but the fact that there's players out there winning multiple all-pro positions like Christian McCaffrey who got running back in flex, I think there was a corner who got like like corner and safety or something like that, or, or like TJ Watt who got defensive end and linebacker like Associated Press give the person one position he plays one position I get he lines up as an end he lines up as a linebacker Christian McCaffrey can do whatever but bro they are one position bottom line at the end of the day that's what they do and there's a lot of all-pro guys who got snubbed. I think Warner got snubbed, bro. He certainly was better than Bobby Wagner. Wagner gave up the most yards in coverage as a linebacker. He struggled, but no one's looking at that. So, toss it up to Warner, man. Warner got snubbed. I think George Kittle was, what, second-team all-pro or first-team all-pro? I, I mean, I still, <laughs> I still feel like Kittle deserves more love. But, I mean, Sherman got snubbed. You know, I think Bosa got snubbed too. So it's the fact that they're going out there and giving players two positions on an all-pro team. Absolutely ridiculous. But uh, nah, for this whole recap, it was really good, Zach. I just got to shout out the entire Niners team, bro. I mean, from top to bottom, it is a well-structured, well-organized, well-coached team. And I really think the Niners are trending in the right direction, dude. I think they're ready to rise to fame again, rise to glory bring back how good the Niners football team was like in the 80s and 90s and you know really bring back the image Niners haven't been good in multiple years and the fact that they finally have the framework they finally have the ground and structure set 
to make an extended playoff run, not just this season, but next season and beyond, that's huge. The Niners being good is good for football. It's great for the public. You can love the Niners. You can hate the Niners. It doesn't matter because when the Niners are good, the NFL is flourishing, bro. So <laughs> big shout out to the Niners, man. 13-3, and unbelievable season. Just an absolutely unbelievable season through and through. Yeah, I mean, especially, like I said, looking back, comparing it with last season, how far they've come in just 16 games. Um, I think it's amazing. I think that it's really a testament to, like you said, leadership, coaching, players, veterans, rookies stepping up, um, and, you know, no moment really being too big for this team. And I'm super excited to see how they do uh, Saturday against the Vikings. Um, The only thing I want to close out with is I asked on Twitter what um, all of my followers' favorite play of the game excuse me of the year was and i'd say top two top one actually easily was george kittle in new orleans the fourth and two getting that you know beast catch and run to set up the game-winning field goal but you know just and you know slightly less votes i have to say is the green law tackle to save the 49ers number one seed uh to beat seattle in seattle so I just wanted to shout that out real quick. Those were the top two answers I got as far as um, fans' favorite plays of the season. But yeah, I mean, I think that's it for, for us today. We really want to thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of the Red and Gold Standard Podcast. Uh, if you guys like what you hear, please go and leave us a review. Uh, we read all of them. They make our day. So we want to thank you for those that have left us reviews. Um if you want to support us, please go ahead and do that. You can follow us on Twitter. Uh, my Twitter personal is at Zach Hernan. You can follow the podcast at RGS Pod. Uh, you can follow the 49ers Hive at 49ers Hive. Uh, and also at you know RGS Podcast Twitter, we are giving away a Feels Great Baby shirt by Jimmy. Um, right now, all you got to do is prove that you are subscribed to the podcast. Send a screenshot. Reply to the tweet. It should be the pinned tweet on the RGS Pod account. And you are entered in. I think it's going for another day or so. So go and check. If there's no winner announced, then it's still active. Um, Anthony, got any last words for us before we close it out here? Yeah, guys. Thank you, Zach, for another amazing podcast. Thanks, Faithful, for listening. You know, you guys have tuned into the Red and Gold Standard podcast. It's been a lot of fun to do this. And it's just really exciting, dude. And now is the time to really get all this stuff bumping because the Niners are hot. But as always, guys, thanks for listening. Perry underscore 49ers on Twitter. Follow me. P-E-R-R-Y underscore 49ERS. All right. Go make sure you guys are following it. Like I said, leave us a review. We really appreciate it. We read them all. And, uh, yeah, thanks, guys. Our season recap. Go 49ers.